everybody. Welcome to the Author's Forge, where every good conversation starts. We are excited. We have... Hey, good evening, everybody. Super excited to be here with you tonight. We have L. Austin Johnson with us. How are you doing, Austin? Hi, I'm doing well. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, thank you for being here with us. I've been waiting to have this great conversation with you. But before we get right into diving into all this wonderful goodies that you're going to bestow upon us, I want to let our uh, viewers know a little bit more about you. I'm going to read a quick little introduction and then we're just going to jump right into it because I have some questions that I want to, I'm really excited to know more about you. So Austin is an award-winning writer, designer, and disability advocate. She studied archaeology, English, and astronomy, as well as holding a BA and an MA. She is an avid reader, sometimes songwriter, and a tempter of various art projects. I attempt to sing but it doesn't work out very well <laughs> when she's not working you can find her searching for animals to pet i'm with you there uh singing off key in the shower and learning the art of making the perfect cup of tea if there is ever a perfect cup of tea <laughs> so guys uh let's welcome austin into our fold here at the author's porch so uh how is that perfect cup of tea coming because you know i they're always good, but I just can't get them perfect. Yeah. Um, so I guess for me, what helps is having a, a nice kettle. And I use like loose leaf mostly. Well, you know, when I'm not feeling lazy. <laughs> um, but yeah. I, I don't know. Like I personally, for me, I have to have like something warm for me to feel like I'm getting in the mood to like read or write or really focus on something. It like helps that the the tone for the entire evening so that's why i have probably different um i don't know 15 different flavors right now that i'm swapping between <laughs> yes you know for christmas my daughter bought me this variety of pack and there's like 10 different tins of tea but my all-time favorite has to be lemongrass or tetley's mm. tetley's teas from our time in england is probably my favorite do you have a favorite I like jasmine tea a lot, like various kinds of jasmine, and then also lavender black teas. Oh, I don't think I've tried a lavender black tea. They have a bunch of different versions. Some of them come with rose, too. If you can find them, I recommend. Very, very interesting. I'm going to have to try that. I'm going to write that down um, and try that out. But before we talk about tea the entire hour, because I get on tangents and my dog starts to <laughs> It gets me a little flustered. Sorry about that. But I do want to ask you a question because I was reading an article on you and I saw that you won your first writing award in the eighth grade, which is like, wow. So tell us a little bit about that award and what you won it for and how that all went about. Oh, gosh. Okay. I'm probably going to mess this up. I think it was a National Literature Award. So I had this amazing teacher who basically let us just write as much as we wanted in class and then revise as much as we wanted. So like essays and creative stuff wasn't finished until we felt like we had made all the revisions that we were comfortable with. 
And so I turned in a lot of poetry. <laughs> um, that was my thing, even in eighth grade. And she nominated me for this award. I was in, you know, one of those book combination things, like a yearbook style combination with a, some other winners too. And yeah, I, I definitely like thought of myself as a poet primarily for a long time, partially because that was what I was doing in middle school and in high school. Um, and I didn't start writing prose until after I graduated college, after my first book was already out, because my first book was actually a poetry collection. Oh, wow. That's super interesting. You know, it, and almost every author I talked to, it seems that it was a teacher that sparked something in them, either believed in them, showed them this wonderful world of make-believe, showed them this wonderful world of, hey, you're pretty awesome. Um, so it's mm -hmm. nice to hear that a teacher, uh, you said you started poetry and now you're writing, you're writing prose. So what, what genre is your main genre now or do you have one? So it's hard because I consider my main genre to be speculative fiction, but actually the only thing I have out that's speculative fiction is a short story. So it's because most of my stuff that's unpublished, I have like probably three or four things that are written and finished and they're all spec fic. <laughs> but the only things that are out that are prose are a fantasy short story, which um, is called True Loaf. And it also just came out an audiobook. And then a, ro a holiday romance novella series, mm. which is predictably called Romancing the Holidays. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds super interesting. I'm a fan of romance. I'm a fan of fantasy as well. Tell us about your um, romance series, Romancing the Holidays. What Can you give us a little synopsis on that? That sounds really interesting. Yeah. So uh, basically, I wrote these and they're short novellas. They're not full-length novels. And I wrote these during 2020 as uh, escapism, <laughs> given everything that's happening. I, yeah. as as you mentioned in the intro, I am disabled. Uh, and specifically, I am immunocompromised. So I really wasn't messing around with the pandemic. So I was homebound a lot. Even I still am, you know, because of Delta. Yeah. So I wrote this to try to bring some cheer. Um, mm -hmm. And basically, it spans the entire year. So... We have four different holidays. It's not just Christmas. It's St. Patrick's Day, 4th of July, Halloween, and then Christmas. Um, and I, I wanted it to be the type of thing that you could just keep on your bedside table and pick up, you know, any season and find something that is cozy and, and uh, comforting for those of you who are mood readers like I am, who really want something that like suits the tone of the weather outside. <laughs> Yeah, I I literally read three different books today, not all, not like all the way through, but I was reading one and it's like this historical timepiece um, and it's super cute. It's like, you know, mystery type and I'm reading it and I'm like, oh, well, I'm really in a mood for the, and then I switched to another book because I was mm -hmm. really feeling like I needed something like chick lit type of thing. So I totally get that. But I love that you picked up other uh, holidays in there because a lot of people don't write anything other than the main holidays, right? Mm -hmm. That's super cool. So do you get energized when you write or does writing exhaust you? I think, so I guess it depends. Sometimes if I am in that in-between state where I'm half asleep, half awake, I'll get like a, a good idea or something I think is a good idea at the time. And I'll mm -hmm. have to write, you know, 500 words on it before I can sleep. And in those instances, I'm like awake, I'm energized from the concept. But usually if I'm writing something longer, 
which I have made an attempt to do and it's not out yet. Um, but those times I feel like I, I get kind of tired <laughs> trying to keep on the schedule of, okay, when you have like a, a novel that has to be, you know, if your fantasy, like I was writing 75,000 words is, is pretty normal. You have to like write consistently every day. And sometimes you have to write the scenes that maybe are just like transition scenes. They're not necessarily as fun to write as the big action mm -hmm. scenes or the, or the, you know, quippy scenes, um, but you have to do it for your book to make sense. Uh, so I think in those instances, I have to like, really dig deep for the motivation to just like finish it, make the transition, make it so that someone who's not me also can understand the story. Now, have you ever, so you said if, if you get a thought in your idea, you have to get it out. Have you ever woke up? This has happened to me. So I want to know if I'm the only, not crazy person, but the only person this happens to. Have you ever woke up in the middle of the night to go to the restroom or you needed a drink of water and then something pops into your head and you can't go back to sleep because the story is literally unwinding in your head. Mm -hmm. And you're like, if I don't write this down, I'm never going to get back to sleep. And in order to go back to sleep, you have to open up the computer and you have to write it down. And then as soon as it just the whole thought process of that story goes out, then you're able to go back to sleep. Yeah, no, that absolutely has happened to me. Honestly, I feel like it was worse when I was writing poetry. <laughs> I feel like uh, I would have to just get the entire poem out before my brain would wind down for sleep. I have um, Evernote on my phone. So here I would be typing, you know, with my big thumbs, like trying to get this out. Like, no, that's not what I meant. But also like, I, I can't slow down. I just have to keep going. <laughs> yeah. And I've been driving and I've had to go Siri, take note. And I just start talking or voice memo. And I just start talking because mm -hmm. if something goes in my head, I just won't be able to get it out. And I get so lost in a story that I'm like, oh, hey, I missed my exit. <laughs> Oh my gosh, no. <laughs> yeah, it gets that bad. So so we know that there's we're kinda of, we're alike where we get those stories that just have to get out. Yes. But do you do you ever get writer's block? Meaning that you have this story, but you're just oh kitty cat. I love sorry. animals. No, no, my dogs are all three of them are right here next to me right now. So I totally get it. <laughs> but do you ever have those moments where you just can't the story just isn't be playing nice for lack of better words. Yeah, I do. Um, I, I I think most people do. At least it comforts me to think that most people do. <laughs> so I'm not yeah. alone. For me, if I have to get over it, I'm not a very um, deadline based writer. So I will say that that if it if I'm not feeling something, I don't always push it. But if I really want to, I'll procrastinate one book with another book. <laughs> so I'll just write something else. Um, for a while there, I was alternating between a prose full-length novel and a novel in verse. So if I wasn't feeling writing the full political fantasy, I could switch to the novel in verse, which is, you know, a lot shorter just because of the nature of verse and then a lot flowier. So sometimes doing that would jog my you know, writing lines and make me now excited to write the, the prose stuff, the, the heavier, denser stuff. Yeah, that's what I think a lot of people don't realize is the writer's block is because there's something in there that needs to get out of the way because the stuff behind it is what you need. And until you get that stuff out of the way, but they're still trying to push through this other stuff. So I totally, totally understand that. So let's talk about your characters, right? Okay. 
I'm always interested to learn how people find their characters. Do you find the inspiration off of real people in your life? Do you find them based off of other characters that you've seen on television or read in books, but they end up making their their selves totally into something different? Where do you find your characters? Yeah, that's a good question. I think sometimes the setting dictates the character. So my fantasy short story, for example, um, I wanted it to feel like a classic fairy tale. So I needed a character who was, you know, I'm not going to say dumb, like she, she thinks things through, but she needed to be the type that was willing to take a risk on something that she didn't have all the evidence for or all the, you know, logical thinking of. Yeah. So that dictated something about her character trait of like, okay, she's a little impulsive or she's willing to do this. She's a people pleaser. Um, so I had to sort of fit that in because of the genre I was trying to write and the setting I was trying to write, which was this small town where, you know, maybe she was a little gullible. Um, and then for the romance books, I think, I feel like the, so first came the holiday. I had the time period and the holiday set the setting. <laughs> and then based on the setting, I was trying to, develop these women for a novella, especially, they have to have a lot of backstory. I feel like because you don't really get explored fully in, in this novel. So I was like, okay, what can I convey in a backstory that people can believe pretty, pretty easily in a short amount of words, but it's also um, like not trivial. Like what is something heavy about them that I can still convey? So the first character, the one in the St. Patrick's Day story, she was a caretaker of her siblings. So she had this going for her and this, she went on a holiday break for the first time in a while because her siblings were grown up. Okay. You know, the second character, um, she was like a little, she was a workaholic, a little hesitant, you know, to get into love. It came when it wasn't expected and her previous boyfriend was kind of a jerk. The third character was uh, an aspiring vet and that was like, something that really drove her, her love of animals and the animal helps her find the connection in this story. You know, the cats in the story help bring them together. And then the fourth character, she was a divorcee with a kid. So she's, you know, at Christmas time, you're like, okay, well, she's trying to balance putting her kid first because it's the most wonderful time of the year. And then also trying to do something for herself and give herself a present that year. So I was trying to pick things that I think suited the setting and also <laughs> that I could convey pretty easily in not that many words. Yeah. Now you, you talked about one of them had a cat. Now was mm -hmm. the cat in the story, your cat? Cause I write my dogs into almost all of my books. <laughs> you know, it's not my cat, but it is a black cat. So I, I wanted to write black cats. Well, one, it's Halloween. And then two, um, black cats get sort of like a bad rap. I think some people think of them as unlucky, but I have only had black cats. I don't know if there's something about them. I just enjoy rescuing them from you know the shelter. So there's a black cat in the story. I have two in real life. They definitely influenced my decision to have a black cat. And in the um, 4th of July story, it's actually dog-based. It's called Positively Perfect. P-A-W-S. Oh. <laughs> um, and that was, I chose some dog breeds that I like for that one to bring them together. That's super cute. I'm an animal lover <laughs> all together and I love cats as well. We just can't have them because we have six dogs. So, wow. and, and they don't, and they, and they're not, my dogs are not fond of cats, which is hard for me because my son has a cat and he can't bring her down here. So 
I get my grand cat. I actually get to watch on uh, the screen as about as close as I can get to her, unless I go visit him up in the Midwest. But so do you, but do you write any secrets into your book? Like certain little things that if people know you or certain people can read it and they're like, aha. <laughs> um, I say yes. I, I wrote in some cookie flavors that I like. <laughs> and then I think also some of the names or some little tiny things may people may recognize as uh, important or as like they may show up in more than one of my stories I think <laughs> have you ever wrote your personality somewhat as one of the characters never on purpose never on but, purpose <laughs> yeah I do think for like the novel that isn't out I so I have anxiety I diagnosed anxiety and it's hard not if I'm in the mind of a character, not to include some of that anxiety because it's so like fundamental to how I see the world. So yeah. I think that character I've coded as having this anxiety, which is inspired by my real life. But I try not to do a one-on-one -on -one projection because I feel like some of me will leak in anyway. So if I try to force it too hard, it may come across like not as well-rounded as I want necessarily. Yeah. My um my book Love Derailed, uh, the mother in the story is a recluse that never leaves her house and she's a writer. And every bit of her personality is me because I hardly I only, <laughs> I only leave the house for doctor's appointments. Other than that, I don't go anywhere. So it, it was super funny because um a couple of people that know me, they when they read the book, they were like, You're the mother, aren't you? I'm like, Yeah, basically. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I'll have to try that, like make myself a little side character or a cameo. <laughs> I always wanted to do that. If, if one of my books were turned into a movie, I always wanted to have like a Stan Lee style cameo just in one of the scenes. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I write characters like some of their personalities are based off of people I know and certain things like that book itself. Uh, the twins in the book are actually my son and my daughter, but they're not twins. And mm -hmm. some of their personality is the characters, but the characters were their own characters, but they kind of meshed with my children. So I like the little secrets that go into some people's books. And when you're reading them and you catch them, it's like this little chocolate treat or something. Yeah. So <laughs> that's why I like to ask the question, do you have any secrets? Because sometimes when I, I'm an avid reader myself, I love to go back and read people's books that I've interviewed. And then I like to see if I find little secrets and I'm like, Oh, there's my little piece of chocolate candy. <laughs> mm -hmm. So are you traditionally or um, self-published? Um, both actually. Okay. So the poetry co collection is uh, traditional published and then the shorts story and the novellas are self-published. But right now, the reason that I have four finished things that are not published is because I'm uh, submitting to agents and trying to go that route. Uh, just to expand, but I think my short works will probably almost always be self-published because mm -hmm. uh, I, I think it's fun to work on a project. I'm a, actually a book cover designer uh, mm -hmm. for other people. I have a business, so I. If you go the traditional route, you don't always get to do your own covers, so I don't get to flex that muscle as much. So having the short stories on my own to work on is really fun from that perspective of you know, getting to do the interior, getting to do the cover and trying to control like the whole aesthetics of the book. 
Yeah. And I know a lot of people think that if you go traditionally, you just write the book and you hand it over and you're done and you get famous. But one of the things that I'm finding out between traditional and self-published is the marketing aspect. Like you have to learn how to market. You have to learn how to basically hustle your book to get people to read it. So what is, would be your thing, best thing that you could do to market your book? What has been the one successful thing that you've been able to do? Hmm. So I think the number one thing is uh, reviews, in, in my opinion, is getting reviews. And I think part of the way that you can get good reviews before your book is even out is one, write a good book. <laughs> That's the most important thing is right. if you're not a good writer, you're not going to be a good marketer. And the second thing is uh, make sure you have a good cover. Like, in, I know people aren't supposed to judge a book by their cover, but they do. And Everybody. I mean, I personally, I don't fault them for it because a cover doesn't just tell you, you know, is it a pretty book or not? It tells you the genre. It can tell you some of the themes of the book, the tone of the book. So you do get a lot from it in terms of, okay, is this the type of book that I'll enjoy? So those are the two things that'll help you get reviews. And if you have enough reviews before the book comes out, it'll end up marketing itself from, you know, word of mouth or from people adding it on Goodreads, things like that. And then if you want to, you know, throw in ads, you can do that, but you don't necessarily have to. Yeah. One of the things I recently found out is, unless you have at least 50 reviews on Amazon, your book is basically buried and you're not going to come up in a lot of the searches. Yeah. And that was, that was like, wow. Most self-published books don't have that many reviews. Uh, probably 80%, 80% of self-published books aren't getting 50 reviews or more. And I want to go, you know, that, that to me, it's sad, it saddens me because I know that all of us have at least 50 people in our family that, that could have bought that book. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah. that, that's a life of a, of a writer. But Amazon um, does block them. So if you live near each other, I don't, just for everyone, just in case you guys don't know this, Amazon, um, I guess, polices indie authors mm -hmm. a bit, where if you are at a similar IP address, like if you're in the same house, They'll, they won't allow someone to block. If you live in the same town and it's too many people from the same town, they won't allow you. If your name looks familiar, <laughs> they won't allow you to do that. Uh, so I know like I've just met people at local signings and they've tried to mm -hmm. review it. Just from that little connection of us being in the same town, they wouldn't, Amazon deleted it. They would not let mm -hmm. them post, even though I didn't even know this person, they were part of my family. So oh. it is it is hard, but I, I think it can be done, especially if you use other sites like Goodreads, NetGalley, things like that. You can get reviews there and then they can yeah. transfer over. Yeah, Goodreads. I, I post uh, all my reviews on Goodreads first, um, mm -hmm. Amazon second. But I'm an am avid Amazon uh, shopper. Like I have subscribed things that come to me every month through Amazon. So <laughs> Amazon posts all my reviews because they're like, oh yeah, she spends a lot of money with us. Not, mm -hmm. I mean, uh, you know, my dog food, you know, things like that stuff I have to live with. It isn't like I'm out there, you know, I'm making a lot of money or anything. It's just some things I have to live with and I don't go outside very often unless I have to. Um, so <laughs> let me get back on track here because I get on tangents. Do you research when you're writing a book? And what are you researching? What is your main things that you think is important for writers to research? Yeah, um, I absolutely do. I, so for fantasy, for example, um, 
of research a lot into like cultures that already exist or histories that already exist and then you know try to form these new cultures with that in mind or i'll research even something like weather patterns or uh, types of weaponry like the little things like that um i think for romances i generally rely on my day-to-day -day experience a bit more uh, because <laughs> it happens in this world at least mine do um, and so I'm able to sort of transpose that. But I did, um, for example, for the St. Patrick's Day story, I had to research a little bit into Detroit because I had just moved here. It was a little Easter egg for people that, that knew I moved here with my partner. So I in included Detroit as the setting in that story. And I had to research, okay, well, I'm, I have a couple paragraphs on the history of how these neighborhoods changed here, but I wasn't around to experience this. So what actually happens here? Am I categorizing this in an okay way? <laughs> Is someone who knows the area gonna flag this as completely irresponsible that I misrepresented things? Yeah, people will pick out certain aspects. So I think it's important um, if you're writing about a particular area, research it, right? If you're writing about a particular uh, genre, make sure you're researching it because if you're talking about say, Elvish, right then you need to know uh, about their language you need to understand the, the elvish culture those type of things uh, and a lot of people just go with it like i wrote uh, a young adult fantasy with my nephew it was his book and i was helping him write it um he is special needs and i need I, he had this idea and i was like i watch a lot of vampire movies and i i mean i'm like a 15 year old girl at heart but I didn't know when it comes to writing and within the genre and uh, people that are within that genre, the avid readers are very mm -hmm. serious about getting it right. When you talk about uh, vampire and the culture and everything about it. So I was really nervous uh, writing it for the first time. So we just delved in really short, but I think I did so much research. I, I just couldn't believe all the information that's out there. So I think that it's important. And I love that you did that to learn more about, the place that you're writing um because if if someone from detroit picks that up and they're like that doesn't happen here what is she talking <laughs> about right so what are you working on now what's your new projects coming up yeah so um I, something i'm currently writing and i just finished outlining it actually is a young adult uh, fabulous uh story so it's basically like a generational story but uh about this bakery and uh, the bakery makes this special thing, a pie imbued with uh, some power from the sun and it can heal things. And that's like the, the concept of it, but it gets into sort of, um, I don't know, bittersweet territory or dark territory. There's some things that are uncovered about this family. Um, I, I wanna say it has a sort of like Raven Boys vibe um, and that's what I'm going with. And then I have this adult fantasy that I'm about 65,000 words into, but putting on hold until I can rework some things. And that's based on Sir Gowan and the Green Knight. But it's uh, sort of reimagined into, instead of being like all about England, <laughs> it's a more political fantasy. I bring in some other countries, um, some Muslim inspired uh, countries. Uh, so I'm really excited about both of them. These are my first like full length novels. Uh, some of my other things are done, but they're still on the shorter side. So. 
Yeah, six. You know, I've never made it to sixty thousand words. I barely get to twenty thousand. I am on the short side of novellas. I'm in between mm-hmm. short, like novellas, uh, twenty to forty, and I'm like right there at twenty thousand. I so I applaud you. Sixty-five thousand words is a dream. One day I'll get there. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> still not finished. That's fantasy, people. Some people are, can write two hundred thousand words, no problem. I think for me, like. I'm very, because I came from poetry, I'm very precise, I'd like to think, with every single word. So I sometimes under-explain instead of over-explain. So when I go back and edit, I'm actually going back in and adding transition sentences and connections uh, for the story. So it ends up, you know, adding 15% more to the book. Wow, that's very interesting. I love fantasy. I've tried my hand at writing a uh, book of it was a fantasy about the these magic twins and realized that I was so in all over my head. It's just sitting there. I I'm literally just no, lost. No. So one day maybe, but I'm, I'm like, okay, I'm going to stick to something that I can actually get some words out because when I started researching that, I just, I got so far into research, I couldn't get any more. So I applaud mm-hmm. anybody that writes fantasy because that genre itself is so vast and the readers within that genre, I mean, they live in that world. Right. So that is, that's a fantastic. And I love, I love fantasy. It's probably the only novels I will read. Everything else needs to be short or I get bored, but with fantasy, I could literally just read and read and read. So I can't wait. I'm excited. Make sure you let us know when those come out and we can definitely, um, send those out within our group or here on our page, our newsletter. We always like to take um, the new stuff from the authors who have been interviewed on the porch and send it on our newsletter. So if you had any advice for new, new authors or even authors that are out there that have been writing for a while that just can't seem to catch a break or don't, don't know what to do, what would your advice be for a fellow author? So I think I'm going to give advice that I think I also need to take and that I should also you know, be doing right now as I'm trying to work on these longer works, but write a lot of bad stuff, like just write without judging yourself, because I think it can get really easy to, while you're writing, try to edit yourself so that you don't end up with as many words on the pages, you know, or actually in your brain. But if you let yourself be bad and you don't have any judgments about what your first draft is going to be and you really think of it as a rough draft instead of comparing it you know, to Tolkien's finished work, uh, <laughs> I think that it'll be a lot more productive and you'll end up, I think, getting more uh, finished work and probably better work because if you just by numbers, if you write five short stories, you know, hopefully one of them's like, okay, you've written enough that you can sort of feel how short stories should go at that point or how novels should go at that point. So yeah, it's it's pretty obvious advice, but just write and let yourself write and uh, don't be too hard on yourself. Yeah, I love that advice. It's timeless advice because it's absolutely true. It was the first advice I ever heard when I decided that I wanted to actually write a book, Um, had been wanting to write it since I was in seventh grade and a teacher believed in me for the first time. Like, like you said, when you were, you know, you were in the eighth grade when you won your award. Um, And I listened to a podcast and author Russell Nolte said, you're going to suck until you don't. You know, he's very blunt and very open. And and I love how he says things because it it hits me. And then hearing you say it again is just, 
this is a timeless advice that everybody needs to understand. You won't have anything on the paper until you write it. So just write it. Thank you so much for that advice. Who's your biggest supporter? So it's been your biggest support network um, since you've started writing. Yeah, um, I think my mom and my sister are really big readers and they beta read everything that I write. And I'm also lucky to have a, a best friend who uh, was a creative writing major, which I actually was not. So she'll read everything too. Um, so I get to run it by at least three different people that I, I know are pretty good at this <laughs> already, or at least pretty you know exposed to the types of things that I like to write. So I count that as a blessing, but honestly, like my partner is very supportive. My families are supportive. And I, um, I used to work at an indie publisher so I met a lot of authors through that by helping them create their books. And so now I get to meet up with them and we do some, you know, Instagram lives and interviews like that. And we get to support each other every time we have a release. So I think the community online also is a, a big support. Yeah, I, I found my biggest support network through the author network online. I, I definitely agree with you there. So before we head out tonight, Austin, uh, I want to give you the last words, any shout outs and how can people reach you if they want to read your books or book you for a show or just have a conversation with the author because they've read your beautiful work? Yeah. Um, so I have a website, www.laustinjohnson.com. And if you look on the screen, you'll see Austin is spelled with an E. Um, not an I. So if you search that, uh, my website has all my contact information and links to books. Um, but I think the one that I'm trying to let people know about is I have my first audiobook out. So this short story is called True Low. And for the first year, every single purchase, I'll donate a tree. So I'm partnering with this company called One Tree Planted. And we're planting a tree for every single audiobook sold in the first year because the short story uh, has this magical forest in it and it's paperless because it's just an ebook and audiobook. And so I'm just celebrating Mother Nature, making sure we have her so that other authors can be inspired later on. So that's what I want everyone to know if you're in the mood for that. And also um, libraries can purchase this as well. So you, you don't have to purchase it yourself if you just want to request it. That is super cool. So you said true low, just T-R-U-E-L-O-W? Uh, it's L-O-A-F. It's a pun. <laughs> okay. Okay. I just wanted to make sure we got that right because, um, and is, is it L. Austin Johnson as the author mm -hmm. name? Okay. Yes. Because if you I'm search Austin Johnson or L. Austin, it'll come up. Okay. I want to make sure because I'm going to grab the audio book as soon as we get off here because I have subscription to Audible. I have subscription to Kindle Unlimited and I absolutely love, love when authors do something for a cause because it's giving back. It's showing mm -hmm. people that we're not writing just because we want to make money. We're writing because we want to help the world become a better place. And sometimes it's through the words that we write and people escaping into them. They do it that way. And sometimes it's doing exactly what you're doing, which is, you know, you're buying a tree. It's planting those trees. The forest fires are raging out west mm -hmm. we need to plant those trees we need the air in our lungs and i think that's fantastic so i'm going to go grab the audiobook tonight and make sure and i implore everybody true loaf t-r-u-e-l-o-a-f by l austin johnson on audible go and grab that book because the pro 
they're going to buy a tree for every single one and we're going to get we're going to get some good air back in this mm -hmm. uh, environment thank you so much for doing that i think that's fantastic i think it's awesome thank do you have you. any other last words before we head out for the night no i think that's all i wanted people um i'm on goodreads as well Although, you know, if you read it in the bad review, please don't tag me. <laughs> but if you want to message me, uh, feel free to. I am uh, setting up events, but I also just like to hear from people. You know, I, I like to see the pictures of my stories and, and talk to people about them. And True Loaf has some bonus content about uh, why I wrote it, what the inspiration was, and all of that. So you may not need it for that, but for my other works, if you want to chat, I'm uh, very available and not scary at all, <laughs> I hope. Super cool. Well, everybody go out, grab you a copy of True Loaf on Audible, because every copy that is bought, L. Alston Johnson is going to be donating a tree, and we're going to get some good air back into the environment. Austin, thank you so much for being with us tonight. It was a blessing and it was a beautiful interview. I enjoyed learning more about you. I'm so glad that we met and we were able to have this conversation tonight. Excuse me, sorry. <clears throat> Little phlegm. Uh, wrong time. <laughs> and uh, so, but this isn't going to be our last time. Whenever you release a new book, like I said earlier, release a new book, have something coming up. Let us know here at the author's porch. The whole purpose of what we do is to lift authors up and show the beautiful work that they have out there and be a place where you can come home and just put your feet up, be comfortable and have a conversation. We have a group as well. The authors on the porch where we're all just sitting around on the porch and hanging out and we're trying to get people talking in there. I think everyone's a little bit nervous, but they'll get there. Um, but guys, come back on Thursday. We'll have the last um, bombshell book review for Lisa Higgins' book, and we'll be having a great time. And we'll see you Thursday and then next Tuesday for another Meet the Author. See you guys later. Bye. Bye, Austin. Bye. Thank you, CJ. Just a gentle